You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Welcome, everybody. This is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and improv new stories totally unscripted to imagine how we might improve our favorite movies, TV, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we were raised by rentals. Mike, I don't know about you, but I live in Texas, and the temperature is exactly surface of the sun degrees Fahrenheit this year. (laughs) Oh, no. Do not like. It has been fucking horrible. Uh, so global warming is a thing, in case you weren't included <laughs> on that. And I think the summer of 2022 is proving it because the Earth is uh, it just being burned by, uh, you know, because the sun is a deadly laser. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, man, all my, all of our, even our potted plants inside the house are all like you can. They're all burned by the sun. You can see exactly where the sun is hitting them and at what angle, because halfway down the leaf, they'll be like, it'll be burned and dry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But one of the nice things about summer uh, is there's no snow, which I definitely moved to Texas to get away from. So that's cool. But more importantly, you get like the summer movies, right? Yep. The fucking big blockbuster movies. Like I saw the new Top Gun Maverick, which I got to say, I thought was freaking great. Um, <laughs> you know, and there's always like the big blockbuster movies. And then there's usually like the summer, like sleeper horror movies. But then I don't know if Hollywood still does this because I don't really go to the theater all that much anymore. But, you know, when we were growing up in the VHS era, I felt like the the uh, raunchy teen summer comedy was a reliable genre. Oh, totally. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like right up until like the American Pie days, but uh, it was in the heyday in the 80s because we had amazing movies like, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, Revenge of the Nerds a bunch of times, but mm-hmm. I'm Porkies, a big fan of stuff like oh, that. Exactly. I'm a big fan of Back to School, fucking oh, License man. to Drive, dude, yep. One Crazy Summer. Hell yeah. Right? <laughs> I fucking love One Crazy <laughs> Summer. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, can't buy me love, better off dead, fuck even shit like real genius, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the raunchy teen summer comedy isn't maybe a thing that people do anymore. Maybe on Netflix, but yeah. I feel like we need to bring it back, uh, you know, into the public consciousness. If we if we can't do a you know thirty years later sequel like they did with Top Gun and Coming to America, then maybe we just go back in time and we say, you know what, we need more of these. We need more of these awesome eighties raunchy comedies. What do you say? I totally agree. <laughs> so we have to pick the best one. We just rattled off a bunch of them. Hell, Teen Wolf probably fits the bill. But mm. I think that there is one out of all of them that fits the, our particular taste and this show better than any. And we mentioned it in our very first episode, which is fucking Summer School. Hell yeah. I fucking <laughs> love that movie. I fucking love Summer School. And I will – I'm ashamed to admit – that it wasn't until my most recent watching uh, just two days ago to refresh my memory so you and I could talk about it that I realized that it's directed by Carl Reiner. I would never have guessed that if I didn't know. Right? I mean, it's got this, – this movie has a lot of like – we, we we mentioned this off the air, but it has a lot of these actors where it's like, oh, that guy and that – you know, like – 
there's a lot of recognizable, talented people in this project. Yeah, you're right. Most of the cast are like these character actor faces, you know, like you mentioned. It's like, oh, it's that guy from that thing. Like, you know, that, right. that's, that's everybody <laughs> I've in seen this him. movie. <laughs> yeah, even talking about this uh, off air, you know, just before we hit recording, like just now, even you and I were like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. I and mean, he was in Leprechaun, I think, maybe. I don't know. Like, I got <laughs> right. you know, but, but it's like, I know I've seen his face in 100 movies before, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I fucking love Summer School. It, it was an amazing movie. It came out at the height of, I think, you know, the genre, the teen raunchy comedy genre, 1987. Another movie from 1987 that's just an absolute banger. I mean, that was probably the best year of the decade for just killing it at the box office. You know, mm-hmm. forget how much money they make. I'm talking about just memorable cult classic movies. And uh, yeah, and, 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 and this one, I'm, I'm watching it on Friday, and I'm just loving Freddie Shoup as gym teacher turned, you know, forced summer school English <laughs> uh, uh, teacher. And I'm yep. watching Mark Mark Harmon thinking, like, where do I know this guy from? Like, he's so – honestly, like, he's just so fucking handsome. Like, I'm just falling into his smile, and I'm just like, man, right? like, how come this dude isn't, like, a major, like, heartthrob? I mean, fucking look at this guy. And, uh, and I had to look him up and I'm like, oh yeah, apparently he was on NCIS, like in more recent history. And yeah, he's just been in like a bunch of things, you know? Um, I guess he was on St. Elsewhere back in the eighties, which is probably how we got the role in the first place. But I'm like, I think that's just a perfect example where the main character of the movie is just like some guy from some TV show, I guess. (laughs) Exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you would think he would have had a much longer acting career. Like, I mean, he's clearly done a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of television stuff, but it's like, I, I mean, from the 80s on up, I can't really remember seeing him in a ton of, like, big things. Um, you know, like, I know he was in stuff like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and, like, Natural Born Killers, like, as just, like, random, like, guy over there or reporter type of thing. But it's like, you would think with with how good he was in this movie, you would have saw a lot more leading roles. But again, he's just been one of those working actors since the 80s. Yeah, I agree. I, I think probably the biggest... A celebrity to come out of the movie who would be the top build now would be like Kirstie Alley. And at yeah. the time with Cheers and some other roles that she had, she was a big star. So she probably was like the get, you know, for the filmmakers in this movie. Yeah. But I think even her other outside of things like Cheers and, you know, a handful of really good, uh, you know, movie roles. I think even she's one of those actors who is like, wait, what's she been doing lately? Like, is she is she still yeah. around? You know, <laughs> I feel like she's still doing commercials for that weight loss thing. Like, Yeah, probably. Right. Wasn't yeah. she in those like who's talking now or look who's talking movies? What, are they, what were they called? Was she in, is that what she was in? <laughs> was she in those movies with John Travolta? Oh god! She this, now this I was so look funny. It up. Like, right, like she's the biggest build actor in the movie, and I'm like, wait, was she in that thing or am I just remembering? She was. She, she totally yeah. was. I don't was know totally. why it didn't click, but I'm like, I'm like, wait, that sounds right, but I can't remember. Yeah, no, she was totally in that. She was also in Village of the Damned, the uh, the 1995 one. I forgot. Oh, that's about right. That. Well, and and you notice too, and I noticed today on looking up some of these uh, some of these faces on IMDb, trying to figure out like where do I know this guy from? That there is a huge like Star Trek uh, franchise connection between all of them, and and just now with Kirstie Alley, she's in one of those Star Trek movies, but yep. so so are almost everybody in the in the movie. Like they're almost all in in they're in the Next Generation, or they're in you know the Wrath of Khan, or they're in something. Yeah, um, so that's probably the connection here. There's even a Murder She Wrote connection with uh, with uh, forget I think us. Sleepy dude. Um. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sleepy Larry. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, I but saw yeah. that when I was looking. I was like, ah, where she wrote? <laughs> yeah. So, for, so yeah. Just to kind of you know throw it out there once again for anyone who might not be super familiar where about the movie. Basically, the plot of this movie that we obviously love is Mark Harmon plays Freddie Shoup. He's a clueless like gym teacher at some Southern California uh, high school, and he's on his way to a Hawaiian vacation on the last day of school. He's counting down the minutes, the seconds with his students. Can't wait to leave. You know, it's a very stereotypical like eighties high school with all of your, your, uh, your very cliche, you know, jocks and nerds and stoners, et cetera. And you know, the, the hours and the minutes are counting down and then he gets roped into being the summer school English teacher for all of these students that the the principal or whoever Gills just thinks are absolute like worthless rejects. And, you know, so he's sort of stuck now for the summer in a classroom with all these students who feel like they're stuck there for the summer. None of them want to be there, including Shoop. And they basically just decide that they're going to fuck around and have a great time all summer. Of course, it's an 80s movie and they have to learn a, a moral lesson and, you know, they have to come from behind like the underdogs they are. And and, uh, you know, they're trying to pass this like big uh, remedial English test. But. They're going to spend half the time just living their best life, right? Trying to enjoy yep. the summer as much as they can. And Shoop is right there along with them having a great time until eventually, you know, his job is threatened and he decides that the only way that he's going to survive and get his tenure next year is to bribe all of these students who I assume are probably about juniors or maybe seniors in high school. He's going to bribe them all with like one wish, one ask so that they'll agree to study because he's really trying to get as many as possible to pass this test and prove that he's not like a total loser and won't get fired, which right. to me just sounds like the perfect eighties comedy setup, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and like, and like we were saying before, there's a lot of really great people that are this, that are kind of like faces in something you've probably seen like Courtney Thorne Smith, who is in Melrose place. I guess that's probably mm -hmm. the thing she was most famous for. I recognize Gary Riley, who plays Dave of the Dave and Chainsaw duo. And Gary Riley has a pretty memorable role in one of my favorite movies of all time, Stand By Me, directed yep. by Ron Reiner. So there's <laughs> there's a Reiner <laughs> connection. Um, but then, like, I recognize Shawnee Smith from, uh, what is it? Uh, the Blob remake, the Saw movies. I actually yeah. just saw her, because I just saw The Blob at the drive-in. Uh, there was a Thursday Night Terrors double feature with Tremors and the Blob. <laughs> I went to go watch it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot she was in this. Oh, that's a great double feature, man. I'd love to see that. Mm. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I recognize her from Who's Harry Crumb, but she's been in a bunch of oh, horror yeah. movie stuff. Like, she's in some of those Saw movies, but, yeah, she's been in a bunch of stuff. I, I have and, to bring up uh, Richard Horvitz. Uh, plays it. Plays Ekian. Like, this guy, I mean, yeah, he's in a lot of movies and, and TV shows back in the 80s. But this guy is like voice actor extraordinaire. Most people would know him from Invader Zim. He does the voice for Zim. And it, it's hilarious watching him do the voice. Like, if you ever just like see him in the recording, like he's just he's very animated when he's yelling in Zim's voice. But tons of friggin video games like he's done voices for the World of Warcraft video games. Like, so I've heard him a bunch in the last like 15 years playing that game. Um the guy has got like he's got like 200 and something credits on IMDb pretty much all across Nicktoons, like Angry Beavers, all that stuff. Like he he did a lot of the, those things. The the Grim Adventures of Bill and Mandy. Um, I love that show. Yeah. Like this dude, he the Destroy All Humans games. He was in those like it, Psychonauts. Like there's just the, the list goes on and on and on. Like he's such a great voice actor. Not the best actor. 
<laughs> but voice actor, amazing. <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought he did some pretty convincing, like, projectile vomiting in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I liked his nerd laugh where he was like, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, come on, dude. And that was funny because with most of the cast, as they're coming on to screen and I'm seeing the movie just recently to refresh my memory, even though I've seen it a hundred times. But as the cast is kind of coming on screen, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that that chick from that Melrose thing. And oh, yeah, it's that guy. You know, he was yep. over. Oh, and that, that dude, that dude plays Kevin. He's in fucking Heathers. He plays Ram and Heathers, you know. And, <laughs> but then Ikian comes on and I didn't recognize him until he talked. And then I'm like, oh, yep. it's that fucking dude. <laughs> He's got that. That voice is just, you know, iconic. That happens so much to me with voice actors where I'll be watching a movie and I don't recognize the person, but the voice, I'm like, why do I know that voice? And so, of course, you know, I'm over there on IMDb looking it up and be like, oh, they did a voice for such and such cartoon or such and such video game. Like the um, the one when I was watching uh, Teen Titans Go with with Caleb back in the day, he was obsessed with Teen Titans Go. And Robin's voice was bugging the crap out of me. Now, I know it was the same guy who did, you know, Robin in the original Teen Titans. But I'm sitting here going, I've heard his voice recently. Where the hell have I heard his voice? He does a bunch of voices for World of Warcraft. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> I was like, that, it's go. the freaking little fox dude. Okay, I know who that is. Yeah, that like, happens to me all the time watching cartoons with my kids. It's like the, these voices will just get stuck in my brain like little earworms. And I have to yep. look them up because I'm like, <laughs> I know that from somewhere. What is that? <laughs> oh, it, it, it's maddening, but so exciting when you find it out. Like, aha, now I know. Yeah, I most recently um, had that happen to me a couple months ago when we went and saw the the Bad Guys movie with our kids. And I, I didn't even realize it was based on a book series. I had never heard of it before. My my son just thought that the trailer looked fun. And, you know, we had we had a an evening with nothing better to do. So we went and saw it. But it's maddening because I'm in the theater watching the movie and every character i'm like fuck i know that voice from somewhere what is that and i kept i filed it away in my brain to like look it up when i left and then i was like wait there's another one there's another one there's another one and pretty soon i'm trying to like juggle these like five voices in my head like what is that for like an hour and a, an hour and a half or whatever like and it's just driving me crazy because i don't want to pull my phone out in the middle of the theater you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's too funny but yeah but the point is like Everybody in this movie is like that guy you've seen from that thing. You know, I think Kelly yeah. Jo Mintner is probably the one we've mentioned the most on this show because, of course, yeah. she's in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. She has a very, very brief role in Lost Boys, and she was in the deleted scenes, which, you know, I thought was a damn shame. But she's in yep. a bunch of stuff. Um, and she's she's another one of those actors that, like, she's good in everything she's in. It's like, why wasn't she in more? You know, like I've never <laughs> seen a role where I'm like, ah, that's subpar. I've always enjoyed her performances. Yeah, I totally also agree. In, uh, what the people under the stairs? Is that another one? Yeah. That she was in? yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. I think that she was just, you know, criminally underutilized at the time because uh, I think she has a pretty decent range too. Like the character she plays in this is very different than her character from Nightmare, and you know, it's I, th I think she does a pretty, a really, really good job. But the point is, the cast is great. There's not a, a lot of big stars, you know, maybe a couple of people that you would recognize. You know, I'm snapping at the screen the whole time, going, "Hey, it's that guy from that thing," and like, <laughs> "Oh, what was you know?" And but, yep. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I have a I had a great time watching this movie. Every single time that I see it, it's like I'm seeing it for the very first time. I absolutely adore this movie. It's, one of my all-time favorite, you know, team raunchy summer comedies, which Same. isn't as much of a niche uh, genre as it might seem with that many adjectives. There's actually, you know, a <laughs> crap load of these. Um, yep. 
And I would have loved to have seen more summer school. I wish it was more well-known. I wish more people were into it. You know, I, I rented it and I was watching it and my own wife was like, wait, what is this? And I come on, I know you've seen this before. Come on. You know, and yep. it's like, how do you not know summer school? <laughs> I actually had that exact same experience because I watched this last night at work. And because uh, I was like, all right, it's kind of a quiet night. Let me refresh my because I watched it earlier in the week, but I'm like, let me let me just watch it again. And so I'm sitting there watching it at work. <laughs> the supervisor that was on stopped at the window. She's like, what are you watching? And I was like, summer school. She's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, you don't know summer school because she's my age, too. So I'm like, yeah, okay. how do you not know summer school? So we had this whole conversation about 80s comedies. And I'm like, this is one of those movies I loved as a kid. So and of course, she walked up at an odd time because it was right when Shoop was getting uh, arrested. So he was in his little <laughs> shorty shorts with no shirt. On. Yeah. I was like, should... Yeah. OK. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you were going to mention it was it's when uh, he he was getting the side eye from Kirstie Alley because he was letting a 16 year old girl like, oh. live at live at his house, you know, and act like the freaking housewife role. We, we got to mention a couple of the things about this movie, that whole Pam subplot is disturbing as fuck. Like, I get, I get the fact that you know she's a teenage girl who has a crutch on her her teacher. That's a thing that happens. The part that's creepy to me is the fact that her family was like, "Yeah, go live with him." What? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's not okay. I, this is another one of those movies that kind of drives home the fact that man, culturally. Our ideas and acceptance about things like underage, you know, sex and um, relationships with like adults and teenagers have really shifted over the years. I mean, yeah, there was there was, you know, songs like 17 or whatever back in the day about dating teenagers. There's a whole shitload of movies in the 70s and 80s where, you know, these teenage a actresses are, are like the the target of like, you know, men's like, you know, uh, sexual fantasies. Shit, something like American Beauty in the 90s, which was a huge, huge, yep. like award winning, groundbreaking movie. And you look at it now and it's just like even knowing what I know about Kevin Spacey, like even before that, it was like, ew, like gross. Right. Like, but this, this is an entire movie that's where you're supposed to be rooting for like the middle-aged guy who's like crushing on his teenage girl for, or daughter's like, you know, best friend. Like what the fuck, you know? The um, only thing I'll give that movie is they, they do eventually kind of like make it known how creepy it is. But yeah, they're like root for him, root for him. <laughs> like, so the whole time up to that point, you're just like, this feels wrong. I shouldn't yeah. be rooting for this guy. And we've mentioned it a few times in the show already with other previous movies. Like there's weird relationships with, you know, adults and like underage, you know, kids and it, like where it seemed like it was no big deal at the time. And so I'm not going to bag on the movie for like the cultural mores and the things that were normal right. then. But yeah, they do point out the fact that, you know, Shoop, he he's kind of a loser and he doesn't also know what to do. He doesn't know what to do as a teacher, but he also doesn't really know how to handle these sorts of like tough adult decisions when this like teenage girl is sort of pressuring him to like, Hey, I need a place to stay. And he caves into it because he just doesn't have, you know, the, the fortitude or the, or the, the wherewithal to like put his foot down about it, you know, but right. You get stuff like um, like the fact that uh, Larry, the sleepy Larry, I mean, this guy's like 17 years old and he's a fucking stripper. And mm -hmm. they make it sound like when he gets busted by his parents, like, oh, shit, that sucks. Like, it's like, no, like what sucked <laughs> is that he was like lying about his age and like, you know, all these like adult women are shoving money in his pants and they're showing this on screen. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I do have to say, like, I, I, I was cringing hard, but laughing when he was talking about how he got caught 
Eddie was like, my Aunt Edna kissed me with tongue. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's so no. gross. Uh, side note, I noticed this time for the first time ever watching the movie that there must be a deleted scene because they never explained why Shoop was at the, you know, female centric, you know, male stripper strip club. Yeah. Like they never explained, like, why, why was he there? It was like he was trying to talk to this woman and she was blowing him off because there was like a naked dude, you know, shoving uh, his dong in her face. But it was like, wh- well, why would why was he trying to talk to that woman? So like, what 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 business did he have at this club that he accidentally saw his student, you know, yeah. uh, as as like a, an exotic dancer? Yeah, that that always like it. it I, I was gonna say I, I didn't really like wonder about a deleted scene. I just always thought that didn't make sense. I was like, I don't get why we jumped to that. Like, it, it felt like an odd jump. You know, yeah, I just never noticed it before. I say what, the other thing I, I will say about this is um, when Shoop gets arrested, uh, there's there's a Hollywood trope that bugs the crap out of me. It's very prominent in 80s movies, but this is a trope that goes all the way up to the early 2000s. Holding cells in movies are filled with the worst criminals, murderers and rapists in Hollywood. I don't understand why a holding cell is filled with like the worst of the worst. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's like, like I remember the one that really sticks out to me is the first Ghost Rider movie, where like he's thrown in a holding cell and they're just like ready to kill him, and like the cops have walked away and he's just like, you know, of course the spirit of vengeance comes out and he gives them the whole what is it the penitent stare or whatever. But it's like, why was he thrown into a holding cell with murderers? <laughs> like this doesn't make sense. And this movie, you have it, too. Like, he's thrown in a holding cell, and everyone's, like, basically, like, fresh fish, like, you know, ready to jump on him. And it's, like, it's a holding cell. You've been there, what, 12 hours? You're you're already resorting to raping? Like, what the fuck? Right? Yeah, exactly. You're right. That did come up a lot. You know, And, and that was always, like, fodder for a bad joke, too. Like, oh, he's going to yeah. get arrested. He's going to get raped in the holding cell. It's like, exactly. no. I- I've been arrested a handful of times. I've been in some holding cells, you know, (laughs) and it was usually just, I was usually there by myself. Maybe there was one other person, but, Mm -hmm. and you're, you're not there long. Like they're going to process you and get you out of there, even in a big city. Like, yeah, that's, it's silly, but there's lots of like silly Hollywood tropes in this movie. There's shit, there's shit loads of them. (laughs) Um, But yes. and, And speaking of Hollywood, I feel like, Okay, we I think we've done our job of setting up what the movie is for anyone who may not be familiar with it. You kind of understand, you know, we went we talked about the, the the characters a little bit. We didn't really get into each of the individual characters and their personalities. We were kind of focused on the cast, but I feel like they're the other than Shoop himself, the other characters that really really stand out and they're totally memorable characters that you and I have quoted before are the duo of Dave and Chainsaw. I fucking love these guys <laughs> oh yeah they're, they're the highlight of the movie exactly and, and again it's funny too because they're like teenagers and they're drunk throughout the entire movie <laughs> it's like why like why like they're too young whatever okay whatever we won't we won't go down that that path any longer but dave and chainsaw are fucking amazing you know they are like the beavis and butthead you know mm-hmm. they're they're these guys who are just attached at the hip. They want to both be like movie critics and like movie 
specifically horror movies, special effects, makeup artists, and, you know, Chainsaw especially, you know, he reminds me of, like, Corey Feldman's character from, like, Friday the 13th Part 4, where, you know, his whole bedroom is just covered in, like, horror movie uh, special effects masks and makeup and posters, and he's, he's a, these guys are both totally obsessed, and they do some amazing effects in this movie, which I think are some of the best of the 80s. I just, I gotta say it, like of all the amazing practical effects horror movies that came out in the 80s, I would really look at some of the effects from this movie as like being among some of the best. Like they're up there yeah. for sure. Oh, totally. I, I completely agree. And one of the more impressive things about it is it's in broad daylight and a well-lit classroom. So usually when you have gore effects in uh, in horror movies and all that, it's it's better when the lights are a little low. You know, you can't see the cracks in the makeup then. But in this, it's a well-lit room, and you get nice close-ups of a lot of the effects. Now, yes, there's the, uh, was it Shawnee Smith's character? I forget her name, mm-hmm. but she has the ruler in the mouth. Yeah. And, like, so her mouth is all stretched out. Now, it's a little look, Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, if you look too closely, you can kind of see the seams of that prosthetic. But all the other ones, like, when the dude gets his tongue ripped out, um, you know, the freaking the intestines and the eyeball with the pencil through it, like all of those look really good. And and again, they're well lit. So it's very impressive. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And so like to back it up just a little bit. Right. Dave and Chainsaw are obsessed with horror movies and special effects, but specifically with Rick Baker, who yeah. I have to admit is awesome. Yes. But like a little bit of an unusual choice, even in the 80s when. I think that's probably the heyday of like the horror movie special effects guys. But these dudes clearly were obsessed with like an American werewolf in London. Like that's gotta be the one that they really zero in on. Well, and it's like, I mean, he he did a lot of, he did a lot of work. Like he did some work on star Wars, um, like makeup work on the star Wars films. Um, He obviously, he, you mentioned American werewolf in London, which is definitely going to be his most well-known, but also thriller. Uh, was really well known. He was mm. uh, he was a consultant on the Howling, so it's like which I, I know we talked about this in the Boogeyman's Closet. The the massive difference between the Howling transformation and the American Werewolf in London transformation. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the Howling one. I'm pretty sure is still happening after all these years because it took so <laughs> fucking long. Whereas American Werewolf in London was like like the perfect like that is what you try to do when you do a werewolf transformation. Um, he's so good at it, but I mean, yeah, he, he did a bunch of stuff. Like I've mentioned this a lot in the boogeyman's closet. There was an old eighties TV show just called werewolf. Um, I'm sure if I rewatch it now, and I think it is on Tubi, uh, if I rewatch it now, I'm sure the, the rose colored glasses would come flying off and it would probably be an awful show, but I remembered it being really good with lots of cool special effects. Yeah, um, same here. I remember that show, actually. I had totally forgot about it until you had mentioned it on one other podcast episode. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Right. I used it to was, love that show. I loved it. It was such a good show. Uh, but then, yeah, he even did stuff. Uh, another movie that I don't think it's nearly enough love Funhouse. He did the effects for Funhouse, the Toby Hooper movie. Oh, that's um, right. And then, of course, one of my all time favorite Cronenberg, Videodrome. Like, I fucking love Videodrome. So the guy, he's done a lot of really good stuff in horror, and that's just scratching the surface of some of his stuff. Um, Like, he's even done stuff for, like, The Rocketeer, you know, Men in Black, like a lot of sci-fi movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, The Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I know he did. And he did make up for coming to America, too, which is actually really good because, you know, Eddie Murphy has so many like characters in that. But of course, that was after 
this movie came out. And that's why only reason why I mentioned it as a little bit of a strange choice for the for the 80s, because I was like, I don't feel like Rick Baker had really like come into his his real popularity and celebrity by 1987 or 86 when this movie would have been made. You know, yeah, Um, I would have guessed somebody like Tom Savini would be, you know, more the pick at the time. That's who I think in my memory, I probably assumed that they would have mentioned. And it's like bringing up Rick Baker is like, okay, again, cool. They're nerds. They're horror movie nerds. They're special effects nerds. Of course, they're going to go for the deep cut. But uh, I'm not sure if anyone outside of you know of horror movie fans wouldn't even really know who that is whereas i feel like someone like tom savini or even like a stan winston would be more well known right i'm honestly surprised they didn't pull someone like rob botin like you know did the the thing oh god yeah yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> or or was was what's his name bukler was he working john bukler oh john sure. yeah no he was he was he's that he's our uh like our cheapo guy he's the guy that worked on stuff like <clears throat> like Ghoulies and Puppet Master and all that. But he also directed, you know, Friday the 13th 7, one of my favorite Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, Buchler was all over the place with special effects. Like he had his mitts in everything. He was one of those working effects artists. But he did a lot of the effects for some of my favorite crappy 80s horror movies. So I love that guy. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I, I, I always think of him as the director uh, Friday the 13th part seven. That's always the one thing I think of first, but I was yeah. like, I don't know what he was doing before that really off top of my head. You know, I could look it up, but whatever. That's not the point. The point <laughs> is I wanted to, I wanted to go down this path because I want to get into a, like an improv in our, our episode here. I feel like we spent enough time setting up the property and like with our last episode about the wildcats, I felt like some setup was really required because if we were talking about something like the Terminator, you know, we could just be like, Oh yeah, let's do it. Let's just, let's do our own version of that and just go and, and, you know, 90% of the audience is going to know what we're talking about. But, you know, I do feel like we need to set this one up. And I specifically wanted to talk about Dave and Chainsaw because I feel like they're the linchpin. They're the key to a follow up to summer school. Whether And we didn't talk about this ahead of time. Like this is totally like improv. We're doing it live because whether we do like a TV show or a sequel or a prequel, I don't know. But I feel like. I have an idea where I would love to see a sequel to summer school that is focused on Damon Chainsaw. I actually, it's funny you say that because my, my sequel pitch has the exact same thing right at the top is that Dave and Chainsaw are the linchpin for the sequel. Oh, that's perfect. Okay, good. Uh, We're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so I don't know. Do you want me to throw my idea at you or do you want to throw your idea at me first and see which one we want to go with? I feel like I've been talking a lot. So you go, you, you take the lead here for a little while and tell me what you were thinking. Okay. So I figured this would take place a few years later. Like I, I feel like Dave and Chainsaw wouldn't be the types of guys that would go to college. I feel like they would be the types of guys that would try to like get some money, whether it be, you know, through family or whatever. And they would start their own business. Um, so I'm thinking that Dave and Chainsaw a few years down the road have opened a very small, uh, special effects school, very much like the Tom Savini school, where it's going to be like a two year round, you know, round the clock type of degree, you know, get you get you your special effects license and send you out into the world. So we'd have this this plucky band of of goofy misfits. Um, you know, I have I have a bunch of, of funny names listed, but we have a bunch of characters that are, are students at the school. And the premise would be that Paramount Pictures has, you know, they're looking for cheap talent. They come to their school and basically hold a contest to say whatever student can pr- produce the best uh, horror effects, whether it be like monster effects, gore effects, et cetera, et cetera, 
by the end of the semester will win the chance to help out with the newest Friday the 13th movie. Because keep in mind, Paramount owned Friday the 13th at the time. Okay, um, that's right. And I figured out that around the time this would be coming out, we'd probably be looking at Jason Takes Manhattan, which I feel <laughs> like would be the perfect crossover event <laughs> for like marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But the idea here is I wanted to do a genre switch where we start off comedic and go kind of horror where students start turning up dead. And now oh, it's up okay. to Dave and Chainsaw and the gang of plucky students to find out who's responsible like who's doing this and stop them before the police get involved and shut their school down. So okay, yeah. that's the idea. Of course, I have a twist at the end, but, uh, <laughs> you know, because you have to have a twist. Um, <laughs> yeah, that of was, course. That was my little uh, idea. As soon as I was watching this, I'm like, we got to do J a Dave and Chainsaw movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. So it's funny because I was kind of thinking the same thing. I was really trying not to think too much ahead. I was really trying to just black it out. Like, no, let's make it. Let's do it live. Let's do it improv. But knowing that I wanted to focus on Dave and Chainsaw, I wasn't thinking so much that they would have their own school. What I was thinking was that they would hear about like a summer like internship or like a workshop program again thinking summer like this i'm thinking it's the following summer it's summer of 88 or maybe 89 88 would be perfect especially since you're talking about uh jason takes manhattan which is like 89 mm -hmm. so i was thinking dave and chainsaw are they're they've kind of gone off on their own trying to you know make it in in Hollywood, they're in Southern California, and we 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 first see them as like you know gophers and and interns on some shitty horror movie that and, and they spend the whole time just thinking like ah oh, fuck we could do better than that you know because mm -hmm. the effects suck and like they're trying to like horn their way in and like oh you should do this and you should do this and like the the special effects guy who's running running the shitty you know uh, C list movie is like you know go get me a fucking cup of coffee and shut up you know and. <laughs> right. uh, but they find out that fucking Rick Baker, their hero, is like coming to town for the summer. He's going to do a whole summer workshop program where he's going to, you know, you know teach you all the, the ins and outs, the keys to everything. And the prize for like the best student or whatever is going to be like a job working for him on like the next big movie. And so now Dave and Chance are like, fuck, we got to get in there. Right. Because I'm, I'm thinking these guys were like, they, they're barely passing high school. Right. So. <laughs> right. To the idea of them working as like shitty gophers and, and on some, you know, terrible low budget movie. And it's like they're thinking that this like summer workshop program is going to be like their their ticket out, their ticket into like the big leagues. And so they want to go to get in the program and they get in, they get accepted. They're all happy. And then something happens like they miss the deadline or they fuck something up or like the dog eats the paper or whatever. Like something happens to screw it up. And now. They, they have this drama of like, we have to get in the program. We have to impress Rick Baker. We have to win the prize. And so they, they take it upon themselves to like, look, we, we're going to make our own short film, you know, uh, like a short 15 minute film. We're going to feature all of our special effects wizardry. And we're going to go get all of our uh, friends from last summer to come and help us out. Like they're going to go get, you know, Rhonda and Kevin and, and Larry and everyone that they went to summer school with and basically be like, yo, come on guys. You got, you know, they're going to bribe them the same way that shoot bribe them. Like we'll do this, we'll do that to come be in our movie so that we can impress Rick Baker by making our own film. Okay. Okay. Interesting. 
So it was similar, similar concepts, but two completely different directions. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like there's a way to blend these a little bit, maybe, you know, um, I really like the idea of it just going to be like a straight horror movie, like shit, like there really are people, you know, who are being bumped off. Uh, so let's, let's talk about this for a few minutes. I think both ideas could be great and I'm perfectly happy with just go, okay, let's just pick one, but let's explore the idea of like mashing them up a little bit first. Um, so I gotta say, I really like the idea of, them kind of like trying to make it on their own in Hollywood and like not doing very well, you know, again, right, because right. They're, they're barely out of high school, you know, they barely mm-hmm. made it out of high school. Uh, they probably have their GEDs maybe, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, so I really like that idea. Um, and I, I, well, how, how would you feel about taking the idea where they're trying to get into this workshop program? They want to make their own film. And then that's when shit starts going wrong like I, on their film. I was just I was just going to say, I, I think what we we could do, uh, I, I like this, but I was thinking maybe it is something like there's there's uh, you said, like, um, whatchamacallit. Oh, my God. Why can't I think of the special effects artist name now? We just talked about him. Rick Baker. Thank you. I wanted to say Rob Bottin, but I'm like, no, that's not him. <laughs> Rick Baker. Um so yeah, so maybe maybe it's it, like this this workshop thing. Maybe it, it we we do the contest idea. Maybe it's like he's looking for the you know the the next up and comers in Hollywood, and we do have the group of people. So everyone is competing for that spot. Um, and then this would make sense why people start turning up dead. Like, oh shit, people working on the project are getting killed. Like, hope he doesn't kill us. We got to impress Rick Baker. <laughs> like that type of a thing. So okay, we can yeah. have like, maybe, yeah, like we start off with them working at some shitty ass gophers on like, you know, garden party massacre 16 or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we, we have them like just miserable. And then like, maybe they see a flyer in like the, the special effects, like trailer where it's like, you know, what, what is this? Like, look, 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 check this out. Like Rick Baker's looking for, for people to work on a new project and they, they go, they check it out. And we'll have like, you know, 10 other characters because we need we need fodder. But yeah. we can we can introduce a whole new cast of, you know, misfits. OK, um, yeah. And, and I think this is where uh, we definitely can can really dig into like the horror tropes and like the, the horror nods and stuff and have have characters named like Gunner and Kane and stuff. like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we can have like a bunch of of. Uh, you know, nods to the horror industry and the special effects industry since it is a Dave and Chainsaw movie. And then like, yeah, they're all working on their own project. Like everyone's kind of, you know, being secretive about what they're working on to impress Rick Baker. But then one by one characters start turning up dead. And like, I I don't, I I don't want to give away the twist that I had in mind, but the twist would still work. So, (laughs) yeah. So say that. Okay. So I I think this is really good. Yeah. This is a good way to combine the two. So I'm going to throw out a suggestion that we change it from a flyer to it's just fucking Fangoria magazine, because of course they're reading Fangoria magazine and they see an (laughs) ad and maybe they're the only ones working on like, you know, yeah. Garden party massacre 16. They're the only ones who who really give a shit about horror. And maybe they're trying to show other people, Hey dude, look at this on fucking Fangoria. They're having a contest. And it's like, Oh, shut up like who cares like it's like no one no one else there cares about horror the way that they care about it and so they're the only ones who are like man we gotta fucking do this you know um 
but yeah, so we, we have a scene where like there's a meeting where Rick Baker's in town. They're going to get together in some like high school, you know, uh, auditorium or whatever. Right. They're going to hear the little pitch about, OK, here's the contest. Here's what you got to do. You got to make a 10 minute film. You got to have this, this and this in the film. You know, so many people, certain types of effects. Show me this kill. Show me that blood effect. You know, whatever, you know. And then and then we're going to we're going to see some other people there who are like the rivals. They're going to make their own film. We got to have a couple of people, mostly random you know, people we don't give a shit about. We're never going to see them again. There's got to be at least one other guy where like Dave and Chainsaw walk in and they're like, ah, oh, fuck, it's fill in the blank name. You know, oh, it's that right. fucking guy. I hate that fucking guy. <laughs> you know, thinks he's thinks he's all shit because he worked with Tom Savini once, you know, whatever. Right. You know? <laughs> and like so then so then you have this guy who's a rival and they're like, well, fuck that guy. We're going to make an even better movie than him. You know, we're going to go all over the top. And but then, yeah, on their film, while they're trying to make this short, short film, these people are like suddenly they're they're dying left and right and maybe they did just assume it's this other asshole and they and then we then we can introduce some conflict where they accuse him of you know you murdered my best boy or you know whatever and right and then we can we can create a little bit of a red herring and yeah i think there's some there's some really cool drama to be had there i think instead of just one rival it, it should literally be another duo like the the evil dave and chainsaw <laughs> oh <you know>? yes <laughs> the, the evil us's <laughs> right <laughs> So we, we could have, like, we could even just call them, like, Rob and Tom, like Rob Botine and Tom Savini, and just have yeah. them be, like, the stereotypical, like, meathead, metalhead type of, you know, horror fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love the idea. Yeah, we make them, we make them, like, metalhead dudes, like, in American movie, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right? Total, just, like, burnout, like, Iron Maiden, like, fans, yes. you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, they, and yeah, you know, like they, they, maybe they were uh, like they they maybe they they were extras in like Dawn of the Dead or something or Day of the Dead. So of course their egos are super inflated. Like you know we were in a Romero movie like that type of thing, but they yeah, were literally exactly. just like zombie number seventy three. You know. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, of course, they have to have some skill. Otherwise, it would, wouldn't really be like a challenge. But, yeah, so it's a combination. So basically where we take these like metalhead dudes and it's like these guys are they're like, you know, the the big men on campus in the like horror movie wannabe, you know, subculture of <laughs> like 1980s Southern California. You know? In the very little <laughs> pond that they exist in. They're the yeah. big fish. <laughs> yeah, they're the big swinging dicks because they got to be extras in a Romero movie, and they they they're they actually know what they're talking about. Like they know what yeah. they're doing, you know. Like, and maybe at the workshop, maybe like everybody has to bring an example, like bring a practical example of like bring me bring like a like a dummy, and then demonstrate an effect. So Rick Baker can be like, you know, the top five of you get you know get to you know you're gonna make a film and you know whatever i have you know we have a little you know here's a thousand dollars or whatever that you know from the fangoria you know magazine to sponsor the event and you know go off and do do your thing you know um so yeah so of course Dave and chainsaw they bring something really fucking cool like they did in the scene from the original summer school where they were trying to you know scare the the other substitute teacher away and then you know rob and tom they bring an the thing that they bring is just like, fuck, man. Like, how did you even do that? You know, like a, like a full on animatronic zombie or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not a special effects guy, so I'm like, I don't even know what it would be. But it's just like it's going to blow everybody away and everyone's going to be just like, oh, fuck, just give him just give him the job now. You know, of course, that's what Chainsaw's thinking. Like, he's you know, he's like bipolar or something. He's just going to like want to be like, just I'm going to go jump off a bridge now. Like, what's right. The point? <laughs> you <know>? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <But>, uh, <laughs> I think that I think that that's that's definitely going to be cool because that like we can build that rivalry up and like you said have that red herring. So when people start disappearing, Dave and Chainsaw could be convinced that it's Rob and Tom, 
And then maybe at some point in the film, one of them turns up missing. And then we find we find uh, clues that they might be dead. You know, that oh, type yeah. of thing. Yeah, it does. So it's da. like, oh, shit, like it's not them. And then they have to work together. You know, that type of a cliche, but always fun to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So since it's, I, you said you, you had you had some notes and you had some ideas for like some minor characters and shit. So um, I'm, let me toss the ball to you. I just want to say one more thing before I forget to say it, which is okay. I mentioned during my little idea pitch that you know, we kind of bring back like the misfit crew from last summer. Right. Well, right. Fuck, fuck that. We just go with all new crew, except I want to bring back one person I'll, besides David Chainsaw. Because of her horror movie pedigree, I feel like Kelly Jo Minner needs to come along for the ride. But okay, but I'm I'm not thinking of her as a major character. I'm thinking of her as almost the the almost surprise, you know, guest star, almost surprise cameo, as much of a surprise as it can be with Kelly Jo Mintner. But right. you know, at at some point we have to have a scene where it's like David Chainsaw at some point in the process of making their movie, knowing that like you know their actors are getting like bumped off, like maybe they're like you know hot leading screen queen lady is suddenly missing and they're like fuck what, what are we gonna do like we have like our our big climactic sequence where like you know the you know the the slasher you know comes out with his you know and uh, whatever you know giant like hacksaw and like the blood splatters all over the leading lady's face and we get the big you know the big scream and right. suddenly they don't have that you know and so you know they're like well you know they, they call up an old friend and then we kind of cut to kelly joe mittner going like what the fuck you want me to do you know <laughs> 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 How'd you talk me into this? That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. We ever come out come out of her dressing room in like a bikini, trying to like cover herself up? Like, oh hell no! Oh hell no! She's <laughs> <laughs> got like a big old prosthetic wound across her neck or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we we definitely have room for those types of cameos. I mean, hell, we could even bring in more. Like, we, we, there's no reason that we couldn't have like. You know, a, like Dave and Chainsaw filming a special effects scene on the beach with Shoop, you know, like have yeah, something yeah. like where where it looks like he's been ripped in half by a shark and be like, you really need me to do this, guys? Like one of the like we could totally do yeah. like a callback to, to summer school by having them film their their uh, um, like their uh, sizzle reel of special effects know how. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, the characters I was thinking and, and I just. I wrote down these quick just as like nods to uh, other horror franchises and stuff. Um, but mainly I, I we need I figured we need like a cast of 10 characters because we need bodies. So we need a, it, it, in, in a in a whodunit. There has yeah, to be a body. For sure. Um, so the characters I, I wrote, I, I had Gunner, uh, big burly dude. Uh, Tom, basically Tom Savini, uh, Rob Botin. So or Rob, uh, basically Rob Botin. Um, we have, uh, uh, Heather as Heather Langenkamp, nice. um, Kane, obviously the big brooding loner, mm-hmm. um, Pamela, who was like the motherly love loving type. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Millie, uh, a very well put together young woman with a penchant for gore, uh, named after, uh, Millicent Patrick, the, the, uh, character creator of the creature from the black lagoon. Um, oh, okay. Nice. Nice. So I was like, I, I wanted, I wanted a few, you know, uh, uh, ladies in there that was like, how, like, I want to do a nod to special effects with, with the ladies. Um, obviously Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, we got to have her in there. Um, then like Greg, Greg Nicotero, you know, <laughs> just, I was just grabbing a bunch of different names. So I figured like we, we would just have like this, this cast of, you know, a special effects makeup artist and they would, they would run the gamut from the, the burly, 
you know, loner to like the the metalhead to like the burnout and then like have like I said, with Millie have like uh, someone that you wouldn't expect to be like super into gore, like very, you know, well put together, like, you know, the girl next door type of thing. But then she can tell you all about like the human anatomy and how to rip it apart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I. I, Oh, good. I'm sorry. That kind of reminds me of Anna Maria, like the you know character from the first movie, the Italian exchange student who mm-hmm. was like this very, like very, very typical, like girly girl, you know, feminine, like hot chick. Yeah. But she loved the gore special effects. You know, she yes. thought it was amazing. And so <laughs> that's kind of a cool nod. No, I love this. And I think what we should happen, we should do here and how we, we can kind of introduce a bunch of them real fast is we have we have the with it Tom and Rob, right? Who are like metal, our metalhead like rivals, and then of course we have David Chainsaw. There should be at least one other person who was like a an aspiring special effects artist, and he went to the workshop. Some guy that they knew that maybe they're not rivals with, but just you know they show up and they're like, oh hey, you know Kane, you showed up to this thing too. We figured you'd be here or whatever name, yeah. and. And then he doesn't make it. And so Dave and Chainsaw do. And then suddenly they're like, oh, fuck, like we didn't think about like now we have a thousand dollar budget or a five thousand dollar budget or whatever we get from Fangoria. But like uh, like we thought we were just going to do special effects. Now we got to make a movie like who's going to be in it? Like who's going to run the camera? Like we don't shit. We don't have nothing. And then so then again, I'm just grabbing a random one of your names. But maybe mm-hmm. Kane, you know, kind of hears him talking in the parking lot. and He walks up and he's like, you know, and they make a deal like, hey, I, I brought my crew. You know, like we didn't make it. But if you guys make it like I want 50, I want 50 percent or whatever, you know, he's right. going to kind of shake him down for like, you know, I'm bringing my crew, my camera, my guys. You guys bring the blood effects. But, you know, I'm taking half and, you know, they kind of do a little, you know, uh, a reluctant, you know, handshake deal in the parking lot. Well, yeah, it, it makes sense because it's also bringing back the uh, the the through line from the, the first movie where it's like, how do we how do we get this group of misfits to work together? Well, bribery. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. Well, that's actually great. Or maybe, oh, that's perfect. Maybe, you know, again, I'm using the name Kane. Change it if you want. Maybe Kane walks up and he's like, hey, I got the camera. You know, I got, you know, we got the guy who, who can run it. We have a, our director of photography. You know, we have the leading lady. You know, we've got the whole crew. We were ready to go. And you fucking jokers took our spot. You're like, you know, but you need us. So it's like, look, you know do us this favor, you know, whatever, like he's, he's, he starts, he starts making demands, you know, like you're going to, mm. you're going to do my laundry, you know, you're going to, you're going to let, you know, uh, Jamie crash on your couch or, you know, whatever, like, it's like, you know, everyone, every one of them needs something and just like shoot them the, the, the summer before, you know, Dave and Chainsaw are going to kind of do their little side huddle and be like, you know, what choice do we have, man? You know, and then right. they go, they go for it, you know? <laughs> so, right. and that just adds up, it adds up to the, uh, that really ramps up the drama because now we've got the rivals, the murders are going to start happening. You got the, the casting crew that they're not used to working with yet. They never made a movie before. And now they have no fucking free time because they're like, you know, running errands, you know, driving somebody's sister to the SATs or whatever, you know, (laughs) and they're so fucking tired. And it's like, it's just going to, you know, be hitting them from all angles. And I think that's really going to be great. Well, and and I think that that uh, brings up a very important uh, point to how this shit is made like this is just and allow me to go on a, on a, on a mini rant here um i think a lot of people look at the the go, like the glory of what they want to do whether it be making films you know acting in in our case making comic books or podcasts you know you look at like oh yeah i want to do that i totally want to do that and no one ever takes into account just how exhausting and how much work and effort 
goes into these things. So it's like once you finally, you know, get what you think is living the dream, you're like, oh, my God, I want it to stop because it's so exhausting. And I think it would be funny to have Dave and Chainsaw, these two guys who are like, yeah, if we got our foot in the door in the horror movie industry, we'd have it made, man. Like, we'd be so happy. And then they do get their foot in the door and they're like, holy shit, this is exhausting. It's so much work. Yeah, exactly. But, but and just like in the first movie, you're gonna have Chainsaw, who's just gonna suddenly be like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself. This is stupid." Yeah. And Dave's gonna talk him off the ledge, you know, because Dave is like the voice of reason, you know. Yeah. I and I feel like what's gonna come out of this too. We saw this a little bit in the first movie. Is that like Chainsaw is really the special effects wizard, but yeah. Dave is like, again, he's the voice of reason. I think he's the smarter one. You know, he's the one who passed the test at the end of the first movie when Chainsaw yep. did it. You know, I could do and, it again. I could fail. I swear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, and he, but I think he's also the one who probably was better at like the movie, the movie reviews and things. And I think it'd be interesting for the dynamic if it comes out that like Dave, it turns out he's a really good director and writer, and Chainsaw is really much better as like the special effects artist. So as they kind of like settle into their roles and learn from the rest of this crew that they're borrowing from, you know, Kane or whoever they're going to kind of realize that while they're still a duo, they're a better duo than they even realized they were because Dave has this other skill and he could, he never just could afford a camera before, you know? <laughs> no, I think that, I think that's really cool. Cause it, it'll also give us a, a way to let these two characters grow in, in, in ways that they couldn't in the first movie. Because in the first movie, they really were like a one, a one note kind of joke. They were great, but they were just the the burnout horror fans. Like that was the that was their shtick throughout the entire movie. Um, and I think with this, we give them we actually can make them into multi dimensional characters that could actually kind of be beloved. You know. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I think this is this is this is actually really really good. So we have a really really good setup. We have a first maybe you know 20 30 minutes of a movie right we where we mm-hmm. we introduce, we reintroduce Dave and Chainsaw on the set of you know Garden Party Massacre you know 16 <laughs> whatever you know and I, uh, would, I'm sorry there, there has to be like a thing where where like everyone involved is just like uh this is you know the 16th fucking version of this and like they're criticizing like continuity they're like no 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 the killer lost lost his left pinky in the last movie not his <laughs> right like you to- didn't you watch 14 like he got it stuck in a blender like you know, we gotta <laughs> yes. have like those types of jokes. Oh, of course, because these guys would be obsessed with this. They're there because they're big fans of this, like total schlock, right? But right. and and yeah, exactly. And same thing too. Like when the, the leading lady shows up, they're like, "Wait a second, what happened to Tiffany from Part 15? Like she survived <laughs> at the end. What, what you have to you have to explain what happened to her, you know?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they would be the voice of every horror fan in the 80s that got pissed when casting changed. Exactly. Oh, see, and, and sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, and continuity wasn't followed from sequel to sequel. Yeah, exactly. Like, which is pretty much every Friday the 13th fan ever, like, still coming up <laughs> with, like, fan headcanon. I'm trying to piece yep. shit together, you know. <laughs> um but of course, oh, they need to be fired off of this movie, which makes it even like more drama. Drama, drama, drama is what makes movies good, you know. So yep. like they hit rock bottom in the first like five minutes because th- like they dropped out of high school, like barely got their GEDs. You know, they're still drinking on the beach. They finally got a job working on you know this schlock horror movie. They think that they have made it big. 
and they criticize like the director so much that they get fired off of it. And so the, we, yeah, we see them just like sitting on like the curb at the beach, you know, with like, Oh, the vodka bottle is empty. And now what are we going to do? And of course yep. it is flipping through, flipping through Fangoria magazine. And Dave's like, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> you know, they see the ad for the, for like, for like the Rick Baker, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, make a horror film workshop or whatever. And yeah, that's what it is. It's like, you know, come to the tryouts, bring a practical effect you're going to pick like the top like five people you're going to get a little bit of a budget from fangori magazine who sponsors it you're going to go away you're going to make a little short film and whoever wins gets to come and be the summer intern at like the rick you know rick baker like you know monster workshop or whatever it's called and you know and 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 he's like i shouldn't tell you this but you know this summer we're working on the next friday the 13th movie you know yeah i mean it's owned by paramount so why not <laughs> yeah exactly so of course they're going to be stoked because and and this and i keep going back to the workshop idea because it's summer school right summer yes. school too and i don't want to just i don't want to be one of those sequels where it's like like in police academy where they were only at the police academy in two of the seven movies <laughs> right <laughs> that's know? true that's true <laughs> well so and, there's gonna be some school element I, so okay, so I, I like I like where you're going with this with the the uh, the contest thing because now let let's say there are multiple winners, right? So the, uh, we split everybody up into groups. Maybe there's three separate groups. Like there there's the top three, you know. And Dave and Chainsaw mm-hmm. just eke in by the skin of their teeth. Like they make the, like the bottom rung. So it's like you have uh, Rob and Tom with their crew. Like they they just wowed everybody. So of course you know they're they're rivals. They're in the number one spot. And then you could have like, I don't know, like Millie and Heather and Greg, like kind of the straight laced kind of people who also came in, like came out swinging. And they're like, fuck, even like those nerds got it over us. Shit. You know, and then they get in just by the skin of their teeth in the third one. And then that's when they team up with like Kane and like Pamela, because, of course, you know, Pamela and Jason Um, and then have like so we have the three groups like making the, like off to making their own little films. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but they're, they're keeping tabs on each other. Like they want to see how each other's doing. So we're, of course we're going to have like the montage of like Dave and chainsaw, like, you know, standing on a dumpster, peering over a wall with binoculars, like trying to see what Rob and Tom are up to, like, and they're doing like some kind of night shoot, you know, and I, we'll just, we'll go through like, uh, this is where we get to, to play with all of the gore effects. So we'll get to do a yeah. bunch of like vignettes, where it's like, oh, look, a decapitation scene, a gutting scene, a shark eating scene. Like, and we can bring in some of uh, some of Dave and Chainsaw's friends from the first movie. Like, hey, we need an extra for this shot type of thing. Yeah. Um, so we can we can fill out a good like, you know, five minute uh, montage slash informational sequence of like, this is what all the groups are up to. This is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then we have the first body turn up. Like, oh, maybe- yeah maybe Dave and Chainsaw are spying on like Rob and Tom and have them be like, you know, they're, they're making their movie. And they, they go to like check on one of their actors and they're like, Hey, it's time, time to do the shoot. And the, the actor's not responsive. Like, Hey, what's going on? And then they notice like their throat slit, like their head tips back and blood spews out. And Dave and Chainsaw are like, Holy shit. Someone got killed. Like, you know, yeah. but they're trying to keep it hush hush because this is like, you know, our only chance at making a movie. Like we can't have <laughs> yeah. it ruined. So, so they want to fucking weekend at Bernie's it. 
<laughs> that's good. So wait, real quick. Is so are you saying that they're spying on Robin Tom and Dave and Chainsaw see one of Robin Tom's actors get murdered, but they're not going to say anything because they're like, well, that's an edge for us. Or is right. it like one of Dave and Chainsaw's crew that like you know gets murdered and like, well, shit, we can't tell anyone because it'll ruin our chance to keep going. Yeah, I th- I think let's go with that. I was thinking having them see the killing or see the the, the dead body. Um, but you know what? I don't know which one to go with because if if well, they see the dead body. And Rob and Tom don't say anything about it. Then Dave and Chainsaw could be like, well, mm-hmm. th- what's going on? Like, didn't, didn't didn't someone die? Like, but they can't admit that they saw the person dead. So now they're questioning, did Rob and Tom do it? Like, did they kill the person? Like, so we could start that murder mystery rolling. Yeah. Well, I say we do both. Right. So um, I say we do both. I say first they see Rob and Tom. But again, Rob and Tom don't say anything like they keep it quiet. They keep it hush hush. Dave and Chainsaw are both a little bit, you know, they're going to talk amongst each other. They're going to both be a little bit worried about, oh, shit, like there's a killer. But also like, wait, like this could be an edge for us, you know. But then like maybe the next day, like it's not in the news or whatever. They don't hear anything. And they're like, why are Rob and Tom like not saying anything? Like, why is it being covered up? Like, wait, did they kill somebody? And then that same day, somebody on their crew turns up dead. And they're like, oh, fuck. Like, was it Rob and Tom? Did they do it? You know, like, and it's like, so now now we're going to start building the mystery of like, wait, who's killing these people? If they're being killed on two different movie sets, like, is it Rob and Tom? These like crazy, like metalhead dudes, you know, or is it like, what's going on? You know, Um, is there there a killer in Orange County? (laughs) Yeah. Or or maybe it's someone else who's like bitter about the whole thing. Or maybe they could even. So again, I used Kane as the example of like Kane, like his crew didn't make it, but of course, you know, they're going to go and get bribed by David Chancellor to work for them. So maybe they're going to think maybe, well, maybe it's Kane because he's like so bitter that like his, his crew, you know, didn't make the contest. Um, And side note, I, I, when you were talking about, you know, the in terms of having like the three groups and like David Chainsaw like barely made it, I think it'd be cool if David Chainsaw like didn't make it. Like they were number four and it was Kane who was like number three, but then something happens where Kane gets like disqualified, you know, like, oh, it, okay. it, it, like it come to find out that like maybe they maybe they copied an effect from an actual Rick Baker movie and Rick Baker's like, yeah, like I did that in, you know, American Werewolf in London or whatever, you know, and so they get disqualified and that's why Kane goes to them in the parking lot is like, that should have been us, man. And it's going to be us. If I have to use you two fucking jokers, you know, to, to get there, then that that's the way it's going to have to be. But I'm working for Rick Baker, whether, you know, if I have to ride your fucking coattails, I will, you know, whatever, you know, perfect. Uh, yeah. Be- well, just cause that, that, that opens up so many red herring options also because it is the character of Kane. We're talking about the next Friday, the 13th movie and people <laughs> yeah. are turning up dead. So of course people are going to go, Oh, it's Kane. <laughs> So we have this really great setup, right? We've gotten to our like our first, maybe our first two kills. And then I don't know that we necessarily have to go through like every single one, but there's got to be like, again, a couple more, right? So, oh, yeah. um, and of course the red herrings are popping up. Is it Rob? Is it Tom? Is it Kane? Like, is it somebody else? You know, maybe at one point, you know, we see Dave and Chainsaw see some like mysterious figure, like, you know, on the, at night, like whether on like the beach filming something and they're like, wait, who's that? You know, and we, we just got to keep driving at home. But because I don't know what your twist is, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> All right. So I, I don't want to wrap us up too quickly, but so I feel like we're, we're going to have, we're going to play out this murder mystery. So one by one, we're going to have characters start disappearing. We have to have like a montage sequence of Dave and Chainsaw investigating things. Cause you got to oh, have a montage. Yeah. Cause you, you gotta know? have a montage. <laughs> I know. I was gonna like, say it too. <laughs> and of course, like this is where maybe we could bring in other characters again from the first movie, like more cameo appearances. Like maybe we could even be, oh, dude, for the Kelly Joe Mittner uh, uh, cameo, 
we could have them being like, all right, so we got to set up like some bait to try to get the killer to come out. And like, okay. so that they, they fake like filming a movie sequence and she has no idea that like, maybe one of them could be like, I don't know if he's going to go for it. She's like, who's going to go for what? Like <laughs> she kind of realizes like what they're doing. Like, what the fuck are you doing to me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we, we can have her be like, I'm out, you know, I'm done and, and leave. You know, leaving the two of them, like, in a dark parking lot by themselves. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, oh, shit. What if the killer comes now? And then they take <laughs> off running, you know. Um, but, yeah, so we have this whole, like, detective sequence. And I think, uh, you know, maybe they're, they're ignoring, like, Millie and Greg and Heather and all that. Like, they're ignoring their crew, right? They're mainly focused on their rivals and not trusting the people that they're working with. So when, maybe when they finally go to see, you know, Heather and, and Millie and all them, they're like, everyone on their crew is still alive. Be like, oh shit, are, are they the ones doing it? But again, they're off doing their own thing. So it's like, it would almost seem like a, um, you know, like a very obvious red herring yeah. to point at them, you know? So and we could have, of course, there's going to be more bodies showing up left, right, and center and all that. But uh, should I should I just go ahead and, and get to the twist or do we want to keep talking about this? No, I think I think I think we kind of need to at this point, because honestly, like I'm at the point now where it's like I I have an idea for like one more montage I want to do. But it's more of like it has to be sort of toward the end, you know. Uh, OK, but other than that, like I don't really know where this is going until I know the twist. So it's okay. kind of it's kind of in, your you know, in, in your court. If you want to, you know, just keep hitting some story beats and on your way there or if you just want to, you know, peel the curtain back. But go for it. Well, let's just let's just peel the curtain back. So let's have them go to to Millie and the group and, and be like, you know, all of our crew is dead. Like after their whole crew has been killed, be yes. like, all their crew, all of our crew is dead. Rob and Tom are gone. Like all that. And then have them, you know, like Millie and, and, and crew be like, what are you talking about? Like, we're about to film our, 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 you know, our big end sequence and have them like turn on the lights and show like all of the two crews like dead in the room, like laying back dead. And have Dave and Chainsaw be like, holy shit, just like freaking out and have like, you know, Millie, Heather and Greg, like all pull out knives or chainsaws and stuff and start coming at them and then have oh, someone damn. yell, yell cut and then have everybody get up. And Dave and Chainsaw be like, what? what the fuck happened? And realize that the whole thing was part of their movie that they wanted to prove that they could do like a, a classic whodunit slasher film with nice. a high body count. And they want it instead of everyone working against each other. They're like, nah, we have way too much talent in this group of people. We wanted to make all of us work together. And maybe she was like, like Millie had, you know, again, the put together one be like, look, I noticed the potential you guys have, but you get in your own way too much. So I couldn't let you in on the project. Like you were part of it, but you needed to be unknowing. Like <laughs> You needed to, to not know what was going on. Oh, that'd be, oh, that's awesome. Oh, I fucking love that. So yeah. So we have them like, that's the big twist is like, it's very April Fool's Day. No one actually died. Like we didn't kill anybody. And the whole thing was to make a movie for the special effects movie or for the special effects contest. Oh, that'd be per oh, I fucking love that. You know, I love that. And of course, right there, like I kind of feel like it should be Millie who's like in charge. But again, I you mentioned that she's like this one who's just sort of like, you know, young, innocent looking girly girl type, you know, who's secretly, yeah, oh, like fucking, you know, she's she's sick. You know, yeah. she's twisted. <laughs> she's totally the ringlet. Like as soon as I came up with the character of Millie, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's she's going to be the one doing this. 
for sure. And of course, they have to, during this like little confrontation you're talking about, where David Chancellor like, why didn't you let us in on it? You know, whatever. And she should mention two things I think that would be important, or maybe Kane can step forward and be like, you Joker shouldn't even be here. Like you didn't even win. Like it was us. And like you know, we got disqualified on a stupid technicality. Blah blah blah. Like that effect was totally different than what he did in American Werewolf in London. You know, <laughs> right. you know, whatever. And then Millie and Bitch like, yeah. Besides, you guys are you know completely unreliable. All you do is step on your own toes, get in your own way, and you would have ruined everything. And then right then you have like, you know, Chainsaw, who's like a nervous wreck. He's like, he's pissed off. He's mad. He's like, what the fuck? You know, he reaches into his like big overcoat and he pulls out his little, you know, his little uh, pint of vodka that we see him drinking all the time in the first movie. And then Millie grabs it out of his hand. She's like, and just kind of shakes it under his nose. Like, hmm, see, you know, like, yeah. you, you know, like you guys, you know, you can't go a day without, you know, getting loaded or whatever. Um, oh, this is great. So I don't want to. I don't want to jump forward too much, but what I just said about th- them kind of getting loaded, I kind of had that in the back of my head. I mentioned like one more montage I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. we have to have, before we, we get there, right after this whole conversation sequence, there has to be like the lowest of the low, like the end of the second act moment, right? Where fuck, now they've lost everything. Like all of their crew has abandoned them to go work with Millie. Like they've all decided to just like fuck, you know, first prize, second prize, third prize, and just team up for like, you know, the brass ring. Um, and so now they know that they're just going to be shut out and it doesn't matter what they do. Like there's no way that they can make a movie, a 10 minute short. That's going to be good enough with nobody to help, you know? So that's like their, their, their lowest of the low. So maybe, maybe this is where, Maybe we've seen Kelly John Mittner before, maybe not. But maybe this is where it's like, you know what? Fuck all that. Like the two of us can do this together. Like, you know, we've got friends. And maybe now this is when we cut forward to like we see Shoop on the beach and like, wait, you want me to do oh, what okay. now? You know, or maybe we see Kelly, maybe Kelly Joe Minder, maybe she was there before, maybe she wasn't. But like now it's like they're going to call up their buddies from like last summer. So the crew from the first movie is going to kind of be like, you know, cameos here. And it's like they're going to be like, hey, guys, you got to come help us because we got to do this shit. We have like one day, you know, and and a bunch of footage we can barely use. And then then we do this really cool montage. We do like the fucking cruel summer by Banana Rama, like over (laughs) top of it, you know. Yes, Yes, of course. (laughs) We do this awesome montage where they're like look you know we can film on the beach you know we'll do like a like a you know like a monster shark thing you know we get we, we'll see pam surfing we get these awesome shots of her surfing then doing like a wipeout on purpose and shoot comes up out of the water all bloodied and eaten up all in the montage so it's like this movie that they were trying to make they were just like well fuck all that you know everything we, we did is like tainted and ruined and stolen so we're going to film an entire you know like shark attack movie in like one day like free on the beach with our buddies i i got i got i love it but i got one change up yeah go for it what if instead of a shark movie what if they did do a slasher movie because we are going to talk we are we are focusing primarily on slashers uh even with Mm -hmm. the friday the 13th thing but what if they do a slasher movie called summer school oh nice And do like a montage of like students winding up dead and like, you know, we could have like a head in a locker and like, you know, a severed hand in the pencil sharpener, like in the first movie, we could have like all sorts of school related, you know, murders and then, you know, have it be like, I don't know, like the principal or something and have it be or hell even do like have a character like their slasher be like the graduate and have him like in the gown with the cap and like a fucked up bloody face or something just have make up some kind of slasher character for this summer school horror movie 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, I fucking love it. Okay. So yeah, this, this is what I'm thinking. So they, 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 yeah, we can still do the cool like beach shots, but like, yeah. So they, 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 they get their crew together and then they get shoop like they, and they go to the school from the first movie where mm-hmm. Kirstie Alley's character is still teaching there. Cause she teaches like, you know, like honor students, you know, for, for like college credit courses and right. like they sweet talk her into like, you know, just unlock the door when you leave, you know, like, yeah. So, right. <laughs> so she's just there for a cameo. Cause she's still a big actress in the eighties, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then they, yeah, exactly. So they kind of, they kind of like, they, they recreate like what, they were doing in the first movie but like as a slasher flick where yeah and then you get maybe yeah it's they turned gills the president from the first movie or the principal and suddenly it's like you know he's the killer because he was like (laughs) you misfits don't deserve to be here you know like yes you're bringing down my grade point average you know (laughs) have him show like stabbing at the camera with a bloody pencil (laughs) yeah exactly you know (laughs) miscreants and 'er ne'er-do-wells f f f (laughs) <laughs> scrawling f's and blood on the wall <laughs> like, oh man oh. now you will fail <laughs> just all these like <laughs> terrible puns and yep. like you know <laughs> this is great no i fucking love it oh. i love it and they could do it interesting in one day you know look, man, look, right. look at they in the first movie they did all that shit in like a morning before the sun showed up you know they could <laughs> they could do it absolutely oh that would be so much fun and then yeah so so we we would have obviously they'd make their their slasher movie and maybe they like they went above and beyond like they they put as much effect shots as they could you know into this like little 20 minute sizzle reel or whatever um and then they they go down to the to the special effects contest or whatever uh the the you know the the workshop that's the word i was looking for yeah they go down to the workshop yeah and it's like you know, maybe Rob Bottin and like the people from Fangoria are uh, not Rob Bottin. God, I keep saying that freaking Rick, um, Rick Baker. Yeah. I, I don't know why I have that in my brain, but yeah. So Rick Baker and the guys from Fangoria are like, you know, so we're about to fill or, or, or like maybe they're clapping. Like that was a wonderful show of, of, you know, effects, know-how and the, you know, team spirit of all of all of these groups working together. Like, even though, you know, there, there could only be one winner. Everyone decided to take a smaller slice of the pie and work together and blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and they're talking about, like, how great Millie's group is now. And in come, you know, fucking David Chainsaw with their, their gaggle of misfits and their freaking reel-to-reel. Be like, no, we still got one, you know. And like, Oh, yeah, it's like fucking Bill and Ted, you know what I mean? Of course. Like, you know, they're going to get there at the last minute. Like, no, we've still got time, you know. Yep. And <laughs> yeah. then have them watch it. And, like, you know, maybe we could show, like, Millie and the group's reaction kind of, like, scoffing and all that. But at the same time, you got Rick Baker kind of sitting there watching like, oh, this is interesting. And have him point out something like everything that Millie and crew did is derivative of stuff that we've seen in horror up to that point. Like they played it safe. They did, you know, yes, they mm-hmm. worked together. Yes, they have great special effects know-how, but they played it safe and they did things that we've we've seen before. And then maybe he could turn over to, you know, to Dave and Chainsaw and be like, you two, on the other hand, were doing things that remind me of a young Tom Savini, you know, like oh, yeah, y- nice. using craft services to explode a head, like <laughs> talking about like the weird, like, you know, guerrilla filmmaking and special effects making that like, you know, Savini got known for because he was just fucking throwing anything at the wall and see what stuck. And maybe that like just raw spirit gives them the edge over this this group of well put together well thought out you know effects artists and it kind of kind of have the message being like you know uh sometimes spirit will triumph over anything that type of idea 
Yeah, no, I totally love that. I think that's great. You know, and the, we should have a couple of throw off lines of like the other the other filmmakers are criticizing it like, oh, like, you know, this, this, this movie doesn't even have any story. Like, you know, there's no beginning, middle and end. It's nothing but just gore shot after gore shot and like, you know, gratuitous death scenes. Like, that's all there is, you know. And then, you know, have Rick Baker be like, I never said I had to have a plot. You just, you know, like <laughs> you just had to make a 10 minute clip. Like, you right. know, like, <laughs> and, <laughs> I just wanted sizzle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have to say exactly that. Like, you guys spent all this time with it with the story, which is great. But, you know, like, look at these effects you know and he's just like besides you know it's like uh it's like i believe this like i think that this could happen you know like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or Have whatever you ever seen the kind of people that are in summer school exactly it's like <laughs> oh i remember i remember when i was in summer school you know back in the day <laughs> or whatever you know right <laughs> you know or or any, even before that you know maybe millie or somebody like as they're criticizing it she could be like you know and, and this is so unbelievable like they, these people would never you know be together in class but ha 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 you know like you know yeah. Like, yeah, well, it really did happen, you know, except for <laughs> exactly. not the murder part, you know, but <laughs> the summer school thing it really did happen. So, oh, uh, yeah, that, oh, this is awesome. I think it's great. And then, of course, we have to end with them actually like, you know, like next summer have like and show Dave and Chainsaw like on a movie set and have mm. like we could see like the, you know, the little clapboard like, you know, summer school, take you know, take 33, you know, scene, whatever, take. And see them actually making the summer school movie and just one little like final dig is have like, you know, Millie come up with like two different coffees and be like, here are your coffee. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fraser David... and Mr. Grump, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and then have them kind of like clink their cups and go about watching the movie. Or, oh yeah, they they could they could do one of those little like movie review things like they did in the first movie right at the very end you know like you know and I'm not good at coming up with it on the fly but it would be right. like you know uh, you know like I would say that everything turn you know everything wrapped up nicely in the end you know like you know two thumbs up you yeah. know whatever <laughs> two severed thumbs up <laughs> exactly and that's and then the movie just kind of like you know it, it it fades in from there and like credits roll you know right <laughs> and then of course in in the after or in the credits you have to have like weird gore scenes you know juxtaposed with like people doing silly shit <laughs> just because that that was also one of those things in the 80s like the the uh the weird like cut scenes over the credits yeah almost like bloopers except it's like bloopers from like the fake movie that they're making in the movie you know yeah exactly. yeah <laughs> like cannonball run <laughs> yeah oh that'd be yeah that'd be so good dude i think this is awesome Oh, I'm loving it. Yeah, I. Uh, that, I think that this would be a really fun sequel to Summer School, and oh, again, yeah. it, it it was it was the perfect example of, of combining the two ideas and making it work. Yeah, totally. I, I think this, this is totally great. I I did would not have thought to turn it into like an actual horror movie. You know, I really just wanted you know these like two losers to like make it big in the world. You know, like yeah. they, fi they finally get their day. And uh, yeah, this is great. I, I, I even wrote down a, 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 a title here for our sequel. It's going to be Summer School 2, The Dave and Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, man. No, this was this was a lot of fun. It was it was funny because like when I was watching it the whole time, I just kept thinking like, you know, what do we what do we do for a sequel? And I was like, well, it has to be Dave and Chainsaw. Like they're the standout characters. Like every character is fun in in the in, in the summer, the original summer school. I even like I always forget his name, but the, the dude who goes to the bathroom. Yeah. And he comes <laughs> comes back, you know, six weeks later, he's like my zipper got stuck. <laughs> oh man, I, I gotta look him up. He's another one of those actors where it's like, I know that guy from somewhere. Yeah. 
but it's like you know there's so many like fun jokes it's it's a it's a very funny movie but again it's like how do you do a sequel without just retreading the same steps like oh it's summer school next summer and it's a whole different crew of misfits yeah that's why i was like you know if we focus on dave and chainsaw that could be really fun and i'm glad that that you brought up the whole like no actually have it like literally be the next summer so they're still you know teenagers and not the teachers because i was thinking like you know, set it a little farther ahead where they're the teachers. So I, I like where mm-hmm. this went. Yeah, I do too. Sorry <laughs> not to go backwards too much, but yeah, the, the guy who like goes to the bathroom on the first day and comes back and passes. So oh. I, I do recognize him from being in the program, but he's the fucking dead football player from Beetlejuice. Who's like, I don't think we survived that crash. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time I'm like, he looks familiar, but I didn't look him up. That is yeah. funny. That's so good. But yeah, dude, I love this. I, if I had saw this movie, I would have been so jazzed. I, I love the fact that we get to have a hor- uh, like a horror genre switch up. And I was a little bit worried that I was like, yeah, but like the whole point is to have like a fun summer comedy and to make it like too dark. Like you could have a funny horror movie, but at the right. same time, like I was a little bit afraid it would be like, do we really want to go like too like bloody and, you know, too like serious and scary. But I really, yeah. really like the twist. I, I definitely kudos on the twist. I think I think that's a great fucking idea <laughs> and it ties right in to the same type of you know comedy humor we had in the first one i i'm stoked on this whole idea well and, and it's funny you know you know what got me got me thinking about the idea of, of a twist there is the fact that i'm like i didn't want to go full-on horror i wanted to make it look like it was going to be a genre switch because we, we've talked about that before like how much fun it is to, and we've done it plenty of times on the show where we take a property and be like turn it on its ear Let's go in a completely different direction. Like, like we did that with, with freaking uh, real genius, you know, real genius too was like, yeah, it was comedic, but at the same time, it was more of like a freaking tech thriller, you know, yeah. <laughs> than, a, mm-hmm. than a comedy. So, and we've, we've mentioned how much we like doing that, but I was like, I still summer school is too like lighthearted to go in a completely different direction fully. So that's where yeah. I was like, how yeah. do we bring it back to the haha? Um, which is what got me thinking like, oh, freaking April Fool's Day. We'll do it like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I think that's great. Yeah, and I totally agree. I think it's it's hard to take a movie that's this lighthearted and fun and go you know off the reservation with the direction. Because even like Real Genius, it was a fun movie, but it also had a really like serious moral uh, you know, right. sort of sort of agenda and a plot line. Like there was real danger there, you know, and they they, they did it for laughs. But you know, that the sort of like fear of like a, you know, nuclear future and, you know, assassin, <laughs> government assassins and all this shit. It's like, yeah, it's pretty, it got dark, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I always bring up Gremlins 2 as my favorite genre switch. I, I actually prefer Gremlins 2 to the original just in terms of watchability. I think it's hilarious. Right. But, and the first one, I think, had enough humor in it that it's not completely out of left field, you know, to just go for the humor and dial the horror down a bit. Um, but yeah, I agree. If we if we had gone too horrific, this would it would just been a, it would have been a downer, you know. And yeah. I don't don't think we really want to do that. So I think the twist is great. You know, a couple of montages, a couple of you know callbacks and and cameos from the original cast. You know, we get to bring in some new and fun characters. We get the actual Rick Baker to come in like play himself, right. and you know, <laughs> I mean, fucking yeah, so cool, so cool. This this very well could have been like. You know, another one of those uh, classic, 
uh, Paramount, like, you know, Paramount movies from the 80s. Like if Paramount gave, gave the, the money, it was, you know, the money it needed to do this. And they crossed it over with like the upcoming Friday the 13th part eight, which would make sense because that one was very fucking comedic in like its tone. Like yeah. you have all of those like goofy things like Jason looking at the billboard of himself, you know, <laughs> like there's so many silly things in there. I, I feel like the, the, the cross pollination between the two films could have been fantastic. Yeah, totally. I would. And I'm going a little bit farther down the sort of fantasy football imaginings here. But, man, it would be so fun if there was like an after credit scene where it's like you see actual Kane Hodder come out in like Jason gear. And, you know, he's like, you know, going to kill somebody. And then Dave and Chainsaw are on the side and they're like, wait, 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 cut. Hold on. He wouldn't hold the machete like that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, that w- this one went a lot quicker than I expected. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I don't mind. You know, our last episode was a lot longer uh, than I would have expected because, it, again, it required so much, like, setup and explanation. Uh, so, yeah, I don't mind. We go a little shorter. But, yeah, so I think we're good to probably wrap things up. I will go ahead and say, you know, if anyone uh, listening to this out there is a fan of the episode and you haven't checked us out yet online, visit us at RaisedByRentals.com or at RaisedByRentals on all of the typical social medias. We're also a part of the Rad Pantheon on a super team of podcasters, artists, musicians, all kinds of uh, creative types who support each other and just help spread the word about rad stuff. And uh, Mike, I'll toss it over to you. Uh, If you want to listen to some horror movie review podcasts, you can check out The Boogeyman's Closet on all of the socials as well as on Rad Pantheon. But also uh, Count Creepyhead's Saturday Morning Monster Mash. It's another podcast I'm part of where uh, three grown man children talk about toys and bitch about pop culture in general. (laughs) <laughs> nice yeah that i'm not a toy collector but that show is always a blast check out cat Kirby head check out so it's come to this a simpsons family podcast and heretic party and uh the horrified chicken and lots of other cool podcasts at radpantheon.com and with that i will say you know thanks for dropping by if you have any feedback anything you want to share with us any comments any cool ideas for things that we should improv improve next time let us know drop us a line and with that i'm josh i'm mike and we have to return some videotapes raised by rentals is a member of the rad pantheon network visit radpantheon.com to support rad stuff the theme music is forbidden fruit by velvet bethany you can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com Thumbs up from me. Same here. To sum it up, I'm Chainsaw. I'm Dave. We'll see you at the movies. movies.